Well, welcome. How you doing, sir? Great, man. How you feeling? Looking forward to doing this for a while, so let's get this thing popping. <laughs> Introduce yourself. Well, my name is Capital J. I'm a disc jockey slash everything involved in music and radio. And I, I think it's important if we um, let the listeners know where we are. City and state Well right now We're broadcasting live From Durham, North Carolina This is the Raleigh-Durham area But we're in the actual city of Durham Okay Okay You said that with your chest out too Yeah I had to let people know They think it's like Winston-Salem Winston-Salem is one city Not Winston and Salem Raleigh-Durham is two different cities Raleigh and Durham I hope nobody made that mistake Winston and Salem Hey man If you're not from around these parts I don't blame you Right. North Carolina got a lot going on. And um, we were talking about hip-hop and, I guess, the history of hip-hop and uh, North Carolina in particular. Because I, I read um, two different articles. One was in, I think I said 2020, but it was actually 2019. And the other one was in 2012. And both of them said that rap started in North Carolina with Petey Pablo and J. Cole. Mm. You know what? That's a good place to start. This is our first show, ladies and gentlemen. So like, the best place to start, our first show broadcast from Durham, North Carolina, is I guess let's talk about where did hip-hop start in North Carolina. Mm. Interesting. I mean, okay, historically. I think most people in agreement would say that hip hop started in the Bronx, early seventies. Let's say it was seventy two ish. Cool Herc, you know, they said it's a party that right. really is the catalyst of all of this. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, it's been growing, right? Right. Um, seventy nine, you had uh, a real rap record out. Your boy, our King Tim the Third, the Fatback Band. Hmm. And then 79 Yep And then uh, Rapper's Delight came out Which is an actual Record by rappers Because the Fatback Band Was not rappers Okay So that's all happening Up in New York New Jersey Sugar Hill Records And Then This is North Carolina We got the Carolinas The first girl rap group Comes out Of the Carolinas In Mm -hmm. 1981 8081, we're talking about sequence. Mm. So, there goes the first Carolina connection right there. That's sequence. Right, three girls. Angie B was, uh, later became Angie Stone. She was a part of that group. They were from, I think, Anderson, South Carolina. Wow. Um, The next connection that I can say would have been a national connection to hip-hop from North Carolina. Let's say fast forward to about 1987, 88. Okay. The Busy Boys from Greensboro, you had a record label called Payroll Records. Okay. In Greensboro. And the Busy Boys was a rap group that consisted of, let me see, the Rhythm Fanatic, Will Ski, Dana Lucci. Um, oh wow! I, 
uh, Dana Lucci uh, left. Yeah, back then he was Mixed Master D. He's no longer with us. God rest his soul. But okay, he was one of the original Busy Boys. And um, <clears throat> you had Billy Devour. You had um, you know, you had the guys. A lot of people loosely affiliated with that movement, but the the actual group, you know, guys that were rapping and doing the DJs, DJing, Fanatic, Ski, Dana, they're doing the heavy lifting for the Busy Boys. Right. This right. is the late '80s, '88. You know, it would be nothing to go to New York and hear the Busy Boys on a mix show on New York radio. Yeah. So. At that time, yeah, North Carolina, you had a North Carolina group making an impact nationally in hip-hop as early as 1988, 87, wow. 88. <clears throat> wow. Well, you can't discount the um, the group sequence. Nah, nah. You know, and you know if I'm, I'm assuming here, if Angie Stone wasn't a part of that group, her career may not have gone where it has gone there at this point. Honestly, Angie Stone is so doggone talented I could tell that you. she probably would have. Anyway. <laughs> would have hurt her anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to own it. Yeah, because, um, you know, she also was part of that group Vertical Hold. And they okay. put a song out in the, probably around 92, 93. It was, um, seems you're much too busy for me. And, uh, yeah, I remember at that time, I was like, wow, she had a 10-year hiatus and right. came back with an R&B band. Then she took like another six, seven-year hiatus and came back as just Angie Stone. So, um, you know, I know if you were paying attention to music then in North Carolina on that level, um, you were of age. So where were you in life, and how was this music impacting you? Um, let me see. During that time, I was in Tarboro. Tarboro, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I come from a group of a family that's that's pretty musical, and a lot of cousins who live in New York, Connecticut, mm-hmm. and they always coming back and forth with music. So, right, you know, I was able to stay up on what's happening on what? you know, on the latest music. What was the music on <clears throat> back then? Um, you know, I was getting stuff like Roxanne early. Um, the uh, the show albums or tapes. Uh, this would be direct tapes recorded off the radio in New York. Okay. Oh, okay. Right, and then my cousins would bring them down. I get a copy, and I got everything. You know, a nice hour and a half of music nobody ever heard before. No internet. Right. No internet. <laughs> so you know, you get a hold of stuff like that, and um, I wasn't that aware of what was going on in Greensboro mm-hmm. with with those guys. Right. But you know they were making big moves, but um, that for some reason hadn't reached me. I I found out more about what was going on with them when I actually moved to Greensboro, okay. and found out how much had been done already. Right, right. You know? So um, I heard you um mention mixtapes earlier. So how how did that start? How how you know you want to put that first mixtape together? Hmm. A that started days would be what they consider a playlist. Right, right. I think that started. Um, honestly, I think it started as a way to get money in high school. Oh, okay. It's you know, it's high school. Okay. I was one of those guys that bought everything. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted every album that came out. Right. So I would pick the best songs. 
even before I would mix them up, I would just pick the best songs and put them, take them off all the albums and put them on one tape and try to sell those tapes. Okay, okay. And then later when I started DJing, I was like, yo, just mix these up and put it out like that. Right. But it started, you know, as a ploy to sell music. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you. Well, it, it, I guess it proved to be uh, beneficial, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It take you a long way. Like, uh, all these, you know, you start dealing with this music, man. You meet people on their way up, and then you just look at, at what happens to them throughout their careers, you know, and you see yourself growing, too, mm-hmm. you know? Like, as long as you've been doing what you've been doing, you've met people. You know, I'm pretty sure right. you know somebody. You, you're like, wow, look what they're doing now, yeah. you know? Like, um, let's take the Busy Boys, for example. We talk mm-hmm. about about how they came through. Rhythm Fanatic ended up producing a song on Michael Jackson's album, you wow. know? And that song, I think um, I think the album might have won a Grammy or something. Or if it gets nominated for a Grammy, then he's a Grammy-nominated producer. You see what I mean? Price go up. Right. Um, Will Ski produced Jay-Z's first album. Most of the songs on that first Jay-Z album Reason produced by right. Will Ski from the Busy Boys. Okay. See what I'm saying? Right, right. So, so he had years in before he even linked up with Jay Z. Right, right, right. So And he's still know. doing things now. Oh yeah, he's staying busy. Right. Camp Low is responsible for the Camp Low run. Mm-hmm. You know, Lucini, all of that. So, you know, guys still working. And um yeah, to get some longevity, you gotta start somewhere. Right. And so, um, let's talk a little bit about your your roles uh, throughout your musical career, and um, where did you start, and where are you now? Mm. I started. Uh, I started strictly as a DJ. You know, I wrote the occasional rap, but it started as a DJ. Uh, got into producing. I have done radio for eleven years. Mixed show. Morning show. Where at? Um, that was at 102 Jams in Greensboro. Okay, 11 years. Yeah, 11 years. Damn, so what What? What years were those? Uh, 1996 to 2007. Oh, shit. So <clears throat> you, you, you saw the change. Yeah, that was a, yeah, I saw a lot, a lot change during that time period. Yeah. You know, I would say I came in probably at the end of the golden era. The '90s, he referring to. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, I would say that the the yeah the golden era would consist of the time that the world discovered hip hop was good. Yeah, until the World Trade Center fell. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, that was yeah. the golden era for hip hop. Right. So, what you what you witness? What did you witness? You know, from being a because <clears throat> you're not just a regular consumer of music. You're a DJ and you own the radio. Yeah, I saw the biggest change that I saw was um, what was acceptable, what was being pushed to the masses. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to think, we just, like, you know, we were a few years away from the country going crazy over Luke's records. <laughs> right. And... Less than 10 years later, put it in your mouth is on the radio. You see what I'm saying? Right. So that was a huge change, just watching people 
change was acceptable. You know, it's like, hey, this is unacceptable in 1991. Right. You know what I mean? And now it's like, I don't mind in 1997. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't get it. That right. radio station, um, when I, I, I did live in Greensboro for a little while, but when I was listening to that radio station, I always said, if you want to hear the real song, listen to that station. Uh, yeah. And, um, I remember one morning I was listening to it, and I don't know where I was going, but I was listening, and that Trina um, song had just come out. Something about the sunshine. I, I think it was something like her pussy so good that she, it's like sunshine or something. Right. And so about the third or fourth morning, um, one of the DJs, and I, I hate, I forget his name, but he said on the show that he thought that was going to be his last show because he didn't like the direction of the music list. And um, I don't think I heard him on the radio since then. But... Um, that says a lot, you know. Yeah, that says I, a lot. I didn't, you know that that change in radio is something that um, I can tell you. I honestly struggle with it. When I first came into radio, I came in as a a defender of one's right to say whatever you want to in an artistic setting. <laughs> then I taught school for a little while. Okay, what grade? I had 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth. And during that time period, I realized the impact right. of what these artists were saying mm-hmm. on young, impressionable minds. Mm-hmm. And I changed my stance a little bit. Because you heard the conversation they were having and the stuff they were saying. Well, I saw how... Before I can yell put out, put it in your mouth... In, in the black community That Oral sex was a bit taboo mm-hmm. And A date With a black woman Often didn't end with blowjob Right <laughs> And no girl was proud of how good she gave one <laughs> If she gave you a good one You better be quiet about it If you tell anybody You never get another one from her <laughs> and flip to today And I honestly could say It's because of that song And anybody who wants to disagree with me I want you to just If you can count them up Count how much oral sex you got before <laughs> And I want you to think about your life Since then Seriously The power of music So it. that's a huge change Like when they started Allowing different things To go on the radio I saw the culture change. They took the club out of the club. Yeah, it wasn't even just the club. It's, it's our our societal values changed with the music. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? That that's something that people, you know, people miss that a lot. You don't understand that that you know. But who do you blame for that? Mm, it's a it's a fifty fifty. A lot of people say, well, you know, this is this is what they push, and they push it for a reason. Well, I can truthfully say it wasn't always what they pushed. Right. So, you know, there was a time when anything that filthy was frowned upon, and the record labels didn't want anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. We, as the consumers, said this is what we like. 
We bought it. So the record label said, well, if, if it's profitable, yeah, I'm going to sell it. Right. Um, now it's pushed because it's profitable. Right. Now it's pushed because it's profitable. With no, no thought as to whether it's damaging or not. Now, is there some blame in that? Yes. Is there also some accountability now that we understand that our own right. product is hurting us? Yes. Right. So, you know, everybody's accountable. At this point, yes. Right. Right. Another change. Mm-hmm. I saw hip-hop go from not that profitable to extremely profitable to not that profitable again. Right. That that was a huge change, you know? It's um, like like you said, the golden era, They um, all the gold was mined. They mined all the gold. Right. And now if you strike gold, whoo. <laughs> it's so competitive. Now, do you think North Carolina is competitive? As a whole, no. We have talent, and and we can always strike with the with the talent here and there. But we won't be competitive as a state until we uh until we get a sound, an identifiable sound. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about that before. Yeah, it's going to take an identifiable sound to get more than one person to blow. Right. You know, and you know, if I could just go go through some examples. You the sound of Compton. You know, when you think about Compton, it's not just in WA, it's DJ Quick, Sabada Law, everybody. They had and, beef with each other, but their music still had that sound. And music still had that sound, and yeah. you recognized it. Right. And the record labels did, too. So when when NWA was popping on a certain sound, then the other cats were like, hey, man, if this is what they're looking for, Why not? there's more of us out here. Right. You know? But us here in North Carolina, you know, Petey Pablo came out and he did a, he had a sound and nobody else sounded like Petey Pablo anywhere. Now I'm not saying you can't you can't copy whatever fire he has. That's him. Right. But <clears throat> he was working with whatever producers helped him create that sound. Right. You know, whatever it is, it came out of here. People liked it, it's different than everything else. Right. That's a direction that maybe some other people should have explored traveling. Right. Nobody even went down that lane. Right. You see what I'm saying? Well, your boy who, um, the track, hey, I hate myself that I can't remember his name, but it's a um, North Carolina track called Home of the Liquor House. And uh, I, he, he, that sound, he kept that sound alive. I I ain't really hear too much from him after that, right? Because uh, I was out of state or whatever. But you know the um, craziest thing to me was that um, I was living in um, Chicago in 2005. In the 2004, I moved to Chicago, and the cable guy came over, little Asian dude. Uh huh. And um, so he asked me where was I from, and I told him North Carolina. And he went fucking crazy. He said, turn some little brother on. Ah. I said, what? <laughs> yeah. He said, turn some little brother on. I said, 
I don't know what you're talking about. Then I had to go find out who little brother was. You know something? I was working at a radio station mm-hmm. in Greensboro. Mm-hmm. These cats were from North Carolina, but I think at the time the record label they were signed to might have been like out in California somewhere. Uh-huh. So you know, I'm used to cats, cats from North Carolina put a record out. You kind of see them go through their process, right? <clears throat> I didn't see that happen with Little Brother, right? They were like their process was happening somewhere else. Yes. So because their they- success kind of. I, it didn't. Reaches. It didn't have the homegrown feel. Right. Like I didn't even get the record. Like mm. you know, I'm at the radio station. You get promos at the station all the time. Right. I didn't get a record at the station. Nothing came to the house. It wasn't for sale at the store. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't get that record until I went to a music seminar in Durham. I had this um a long time ago, probably in the, around 2000 sometime. Mm. And, you know, by then the song had kind of run its course. Mm-hmm. But somebody was giving out some promo copies there. And that's how I got a copy. Man. So so it's like, you know, I, and, and you know me. Right. I play all North Carolina stuff. Right. But I just right. couldn't even get my hands on any of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So And I think it was because the label wasn't from here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because when, when he was telling me about them, they were on tour. Like overseas somewhere, right? And um, yeah, so by the time I came back, um, I think they was coming off tour or something. And then next thing I knew, they was separated from Ninth. You know, I felt like Ninth had a, a blueprint. You know, mm-hmm. if he got that kind of exposure for <clears throat> something that won't homegrown, and not to say they not from here, but you know. Yeah. Now the thing is, like everybody from North Carolina loved them dudes. Like you know, they they got love. Mm -hmm. You know, I never felt like they didn't have the love. It was just I didn't have the record. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Wow. And um, yeah, like you know, I I don't even think they like at the time when that record was out. I don't remember a promo tour. Like you know, artists come Mm -hmm. through, visit the station, like yo, we got a record out. Like there was none of that. J Cole. At least not in Greensboro. J. Cole, now J. Cole's always been, I don't ever remember a time where J. Cole wasn't fairly, you know, accessible. Like, you know, at least in my, in my memory, because he was, he was out, even when I was still on radio way back in 2007, he was already out then, Mm. back in the day. Like, when he was on his come up, he was working in the office, Mm -hmm. so as a radio DJ, um, you know, he's one of the guys that would call asking me about, you know, did we get around to playing other people's records over the weekend? You know, hey, right. uh, did you get the such such record? Right. You know, but yeah, he worked his way up, man. But but as far as being accessible and being here doing interviews and like he's always seemed to have done all he can right. whenever he can. You know, cool. like if you need him for a sem- seminar or whatever, I don't recall him turning down much mm-hmm. that that he can get to. Right. Right, right, right. So, what you got going on nowadays? What What do you do now? Um, I've been working for a media base since uh, two thousand, and they're the guys that that collect your spins, tally up your spins when you put a record out. And uh, it's a division of Clear Channel, which turned into iHeart Radio. 
So basically, I work for Our Heart Radio. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I've been doing that for 20 years. That's dope. Yep. It's, um, you know, it's, it's a cool job because I get to listen to radio all over the country. You know, and that's, uh, you know, keeps you on top of things. You know, that's another thing. I, I see I see radio changing. Like, you talk about what changes have I seen during this time period. Right. I've been working this job since 2000. So for seven years, I worked this job and was on the radio, too. Mm-hmm. So during that time period, I saw radio change. It went from, um, there was a time when every station in the country was playing the same thing. And then I saw it go back to this regional, the regional field. You know, when I started, people were playing, you know, every little area of the country had about three or four songs that were just theirs. Right. Then it got to a point where everybody was on the same thing. Like even New York's playing Trick Daddy. You know what I'm saying? It's like all the same everywhere. And then it's back to regional again. You okay. know? Okay. Everybody got their own artists again. And, you know, it makes it a lot more interesting. Well, I listen to um, 97.5 a lot, and I don't um, I don't ever really hear, except when they have, like, a local artist spotlight or something. I don't really hear. Um, it, it's a couple tracks. Not to say I don't hear it, you know, but I don't really hear the, the local music. And, you know, it's a lot of talent out here. So, and I always wonder why. So. You know, sometimes you hear local stuff mixed in there, and it just sounds so much like everything else. You don't recognize that a local song just went right on by, and they and that that speaks to the quality getting better. Okay, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, I used to think, um, you know, once I started doing doing this media base, I'm looking like, oh, oh, you know, I'm researching songs and finding out, oh, these guys from Raleigh, you know. Right. Yeah, they play some. What what catch your ear? And the reason why I ask that because you hear a lot. Um, well, since my job is tracking down music that that's that basically hasn't been tracked, mm-hmm. then I guess anything I never heard before is gonna stick out. Mm-hmm. So that's how I'm basically, you know, if there is a local song somewhere, usually it's gonna fall on me to go track that joker down. So. Yeah, anything I hadn't heard before, I, you know. How's that work though? You find a song like what do you mean you find it? Um, well, our whole the whole deal is identifying music, mm-hmm. so that there'll be an accurate record of what's been played on radio. Mm-hmm. So anytime somebody drops just a new random song, of course you know there's no record of it anywhere. Somebody got to figure out what is this song. Mm-hmm. That's me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying So how do you do that Oh man you It's like a, being a detective But <laughs> You know you always got the You know you always have your Your identification tools but usually when it's Something like that Shazam Soundhound Is not going to catch it So the next thing um, you know listen for Back sales that's when the jock tells you what the Name of the song is and um, you know, I can go back and see if if there's a point where anybody said the name of the song or the artist. Then even when they do, you know how how art how hip hop artists are. Like a dude's name might be Jay Grizzle, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I got to figure out how he spelled J. Is it the letter J? Does it have right. a period? Is it grizzled? You know, how do he, how is he grizzled? You know what right. I mean? Like everybody, you know, everybody grizzled different, you know? Absolutely. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, it takes, a, it takes a while sometimes. But, um, yeah, I have called, I have ended up calling people's houses before. Mm-hmm. You know, I done tracked artists down at their house. <laughs> To tell about somebody. Nah, it ain't even about the money. Yeah. I'm just trying to get accurate information so I can put this in right. on my job. You know about what I'm saying? Somebody. And, so, the, and the thing is, you go through all these avenues and you might find a, 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 a Instagram account and then you follow the follow this little trail. And next thing you know, you got their home number or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> hey, this is uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, you okay. you the one that made that song. They playing in Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I get it. I get it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, but I met I met some interesting people like that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I track you down though. What's the craziest <laughs> story you heard that you ran across doing that though? Oh man, I don't man. Good gracious. This is it is a Southern Soul cat, man. He, yeah, I tracked him down. He's still called trying to get a gig set up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I get it. He's trying to get a gig at TJ's. Yeah. <laughs> is he local? Nah, he's from Birmingham. Oh, okay. He got to wait till they lift these restrictions. Hey, man. He's always checking in. Yeah. You know. Now, um, it, have you seen an uptick since the uh, coronavirus been going on? And I, the reason why I ask that because you know people in the house more now, so I assume they consuming more music. Well, see, I don't really get to see, uh, you know, I don't really get to see that side of it. All I do is just track the music. And, okay. You know. Yeah. After that, it's out of my hands. But I would assume that radio is getting a bump. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would, and I would also say the industry's probably been suffering a little bit. You know, we're talking about, you know, another change I saw during the time that I was there was mm-hmm. was how much people needed radio to get their music. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started, you know, I started at a good time because, you know, here I am. I got a brand new record. Mm-hmm. I'm playing it. And that's the only place you gonna hear it. Period. Okay. You can't go on YouTube and listen to it anytime you want. Right. You can't stream it. Right. The only place you can hear it <laughs> is when I play it. Is when you play it. Right. Yeah. It's not coming on when I leave. You see what I'm saying? I'm taking the record with me. <laughs> so you know that type of power doesn't exist. No more. That type of power to debut a record. You don't have that power anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, the artists used to, they wanted 100,000 people to hear it. They sent it to you. Well, they couldn't post it on SoundCloud. They couldn't make their own video and put it on YouTube. You see what I'm saying? Right. But at the same time, do you think that, um, because I, I keep hearing that radio is a dying breed, but I think about how much I listen to the radio. It's not dying, its impact is lessening. And you know that's a you know it's a little bit different. It, like you know something can shrink without dying. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So you know radios you used to be a juggernaut. You know in in media, mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't have that same doesn't doesn't hold that role anymore. But 
it won't die. You okay. know. Okay. It's kind of like um, night television. Right. Um, you know, cable came. Everybody's like, oh, stay on the TV. Nah. Hmm. It's just, it changed the way people watch TV. And, you know, at one time, CBS, ABC, NBC were the only stations you could watch. So they controlled everything. They got all the viewers. Mm-hmm. They didn't die when cable came. Yeah. Radio's not going to die now that you can get music in other places. And uh, I think about how accessible um, cars are to other forms of, of other ways of getting music. And um, I think that uh, a lot of people consume music in their cars, but it's either through an aux cord or Bluetooth or something. So, because when people get in my car and they hear me listening to the radio, it's like, man, I don't listen to the radio. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the thing that radio gives you over everything else is news huh. and what's happening right now. Where you are. Yeah. Right. And you know, True. even some of the advertisements, you know, some people, hey, if nothing else, you know what club is popping. <laughs> right. You listen to the radio. Listen to the radio. Right. How you gonna know when McDonald's got two for five? Hmm. <laughs> Listen to the radio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Especially with the fire stick being out there. <laughs> so, um, have you worked with any artist in in North Carolina? Oh man, I've worked with so many artists in North Carolina. It's insane. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I don't know. That list would be way too long. But I haven't done much with many artists lately. You know, um, hip-hop, being involved in it heavily is kind of like... It's kind of like a sports career. Hmm. You know, your your best time is probably around the same time an athlete's at his prime. Okay. You know what I mean? Right. And there are cats who can, Tom Brady's mm-hmm. in hip hop, mm-hmm. who can stay relevant and stay involved at that level. But for the most part, the See, game is for the young man. Yeah. Young you know man. what I'm saying? It's a right. young man's game, and you get to the other side of it one day. Right. You know what I'm saying? You can stay involved in the music, but but that 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 everyday part of it, living it, Every day and being out there with people who are, who are, quote unquote relevant today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's for younger people and the people who got the energy for it and and the time for it. You know, they're around the same age as athletes at their prime. Right. Where are you paying attention to anybody in North Carolina? I'm wondering if the baby's run is going to cause an, any type of avalanche. Hmm. For some other people Okay You know that would be nice to see Are You, you think it's a shift happening now I know he got um, The Stunner for Vegas yeah. Down there uh, I don't know that's, I'm not aware of anybody else You know they keep right on making these lists Of people like you know Top next to blow North Carolina mm-hmm. But um, I can't think of anybody Right now Right 
you know, just right off the top of my head, there's a lot of people that throw songs out here and there, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen anybody on a roll. Right. You know, but somebody will get on one sooner or later, I'm sure. Yeah. It's a lot of talent out here. <laughs> I keep saying that. Yeah. Something's got to change. Yeah, man. I don't, you know, the the market is saturated, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I think um, one way to help is um, media. Like this right here. You know, um, putting the information out there and, you know, keeping it. Because this is just the beginning. We're going to um, keep our ear to the street. And um, Capital J is has so much um, knowledge when it comes to this um the business of music, not just the music business, because you know, you can find out about the music business on Google, but the actual business of music is something totally different. Yeah. And um, oh, just said business. That that's the last thing I seen change. The business. The money. The money. Man, they were throwing so much money around. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Right. It was ridiculous. Up until the word tracing has failed. You know, they they used to just waste money. I saw record labels, they would waste money. Why you think, because um, that's the second time you mentioned that, why you think that was such an impact on it? It it was an impact because it made, it made people chase all this fake stuff. Like, you know, you got people... Hey, look at look at videos. Right. You don't know nobody with a Ferrari. <laughs> right? Yeah. There's a whole lot of rappers. Jay never seen her before. Right. And, and you know, first video, everybody in the mansion throwing money, <laughs> pouring bottles on girls. Right. With a Ferrari and a Lamborghini in the yard. Now you ain't never heard of this dude. <clears throat> and you know I appreciate You yeah. know but that All that came from this era That era when people were just throwing money around It mm-hmm. set a standard For how things are going to be For the next few years That that really ruined everything It made hip hop expensive And hip hop used to not be expensive You know we used to go to our parties For five dollars Dance all night and For five dollars you might be able to drink free beer all night You know mm-hmm. And and all of a sudden things started, you know, everybody's this millionaire mentality crept into the game, and you know the record labels were perpetuating it. You right. know, everybody was living the life. You know, the economy was good. There was money just everywhere. You know, everybody had rims on their car. Think about right. it. You know, dudes working at UPS, sitting on twenties. You know 20s. what I'm saying? It's like everybody was living a life. Right. And it caused a lot of waste. But you think about where it came from, though, because, you know, one thing about hip hop, even at my age that I noticed about it, is that um, it it changes. And depending on the time period is depending on what music is, I guess, commercial or popularized. And um, in the 90s, it was that gangster. The 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 hood niggas. Hey, but it was the the hood there with the money. 
You know what I'm saying? They yeah. wanted they wanted to show some money too. Yeah. And that started creeping in, you know, it started getting away from DMX more towards the mace. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, he was DMX was yeah. the last grimy dude left and he was hanging on, you know what I'm saying? He was yeah. trying to be dirty, but everybody was all clean, you know, right. they were clean with money in their pocket. And he was like, No, they ain't how we doing, you know, right. <laughs> ain't how it is, dog. <laughs> He wanted to keep the Thames on, you know right. what I'm saying? He was trying to keep it gritty. True. But but the the industry was going a different direction, man. It, it got all polished, and now everybody wear tight pants and pink shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't complaining. I'm just saying, you know, you know, okay, they, you know they, just, they just go a different direction, man, <laughs> you know. Um, I think I heard, I forgot who it was, but somebody said, if you Google rapper, that's what you see. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just Google the word rapper, and that's what you see, those images. Yeah, boy. And, you know, you don't see this stuff before. But I think it's some um, some of the younger artists are kind of talented um, if you take the time and consume their music. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not one of those people that think that, that what's going on today doesn't have any artistic merit. Mm-hmm. You know? Like... I told you before, man. Anybody can make a song I love, right? And I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna hold it against you if I don't like your style, right? You know what I mean, right? So we're gonna dig deeper into some of these stories in these uh, coming episodes. Oh yeah, yeah. While we sit down and chat, this is the first one. How you? What you think about it? Hey man, I'm I'm ready to do more. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, I can. I I dig this, mm -hmm. you know. All right. So yeah, we got more to come. Yeah, matter of fact, we're gonna pick a topic for next week right now. Okay. Let's come up with something right now. Okay. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about. All right, we were on the topic of North Carolina mm -hmm. and North Carolina hip hop. We're gonna talk about people. From North Carolina and their impact in this hip hop world. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And people and the ones that have impacted North Carolina mm -hmm. and beyond. The okay. the heavyweights. Gotcha. We're gonna get in there too. How about that? And it's a few and we'll of them start too. we'll start focusing on that. Okay. You know, 'cause I'm I'm sure we can go a whole lot deeper mm -hmm. than than the busy boys. Right. Yeah. Okay. It sounds like a plan to me. So stay tuned. Um, Overheeltv.com is where you can find the podcast. And we're going to bring them to you every week. Every week. Let's go. All right.